0: Praise God. Grab your Bibles, 1 Corinthians 12. Let's go ahead and stand together in reverence to the Word of God. 1 Corinthians in chapter number 12. I want to pick up with verse number 18 tonight. 1 Corinthians in chapter number 12, verse 18. Bible says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him, and if they were all one member, where were the body?" But now are they many members, yet one, but one body. All the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these uh, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need. For, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor, to that part which lacked, verse 25, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Let's pray. Father, I come to you tonight, and I ask you for your help. Father, I pray for, Lord, your wisdom as I, as I talk to, Father, your, your church, your congregation, uh, Lord, concerning the unity in the body of Christ. And, Father, I pray that we would take this to heart, and, Father, allow it in, in, to do something in our lives. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. All right. How many of you thought I was lost this morning without this hand, the, the handheld mic? Amen. All right. Yeah, Jesse was teasing me about the, the clicker there for the screen. He said, you're going to pick that up to your mouth and pretend like that's a microphone and how close he was. Tonight, I, I want to talk to you about a subject, and I have entitled it, How to be Disgruntled. How to be Disgruntled. Now, that's a tongue-in-cheek title. Understand that, amen? Brother Leo, when you put that on the CD upstairs, please put a big question mark by it, all right? How to be disgruntled. Now, just let me let me step back before we get into, into the message and, and lay some groundwork here. The church, folks, what is the church made up of? It's made up of people, amen? Church is made up of people. Now, the church is not, as far as God is concerned, is not made up of the building that you meet in. We could meet tonight in in, in a home. We could meet tonight in a rec center. We could meet in a gymnasium. But praise God, God's given us a beautiful auditorium, and that's where we meet tonight. But the, the, the place we meet does not make us a church. It's the people that make up the church. And that's very important that we understand it. And I think sometimes we have a tendency to kind of move away from that I really do we just have a tendency to kind of fall in love with the building and folks we gotta be careful of that we need to fall in love with 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 a God that, that that teaches us truth and that means we ought to fall in love with one another and so the, the, the church itself is made up of the people now in this passage in first Corinthians in chapter 12 the church is likened to a body now a body that 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 is mature and that is functioning has all of its parts working together amen Maxine, speaking of a 60-year-old body, amen? The the, the parts don't work like they used to. I understand that. But, But let me say this. As far as the body of Christ is concerned, we are to function together as a unit, as a body of Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. What Satan desires for this body of Christ is for there to be division in the body. In verse number 25, the Bible says that God doesn't want any division. And he tells us that he desires that the members should have the same care one for another. Now tonight, understand this. This is, this is foundational to church growth, to church unity, to us doing what God has called us to do. God talks to the church here and says, folks, I don't want you fighting amongst yourselves. Folks, do you understand this? Too many times today, there seem to be factions within the church that are at war with one another. God desires for us to band together and to fight against Satan, the flesh, and the world. And I hope that you understand that. And too many times churches have failed. And and this is Satan's main tactic at destroying a church. Jesus told his disciples that the gates of hell could not prevail against the church. Now, if the gates of hell can't prevail against the church, that tells me that the church as a structure and as a unit is very powerful. Amen? Does it not? If the very gates of hell, and I would think that that's all the forces of Satan, cannot destroy the church, then the church very logically must have to be destroyed, not from without, because it cannot be as far as the gates of hell are concerned. It must be destroyed from within. So Satan has to switch tactics. And what he has to do is he somehow has to figure out a way for us to destroy one another. Now, if you study 1 Corinthians, you'll find a church that was in the process of trying to destroy itself. The book opens up, and Paul chastises the Corinthian church because they had many divisions amongst the body of believers. There were some that that, that praised Paul and said they followed Paul. There were some that said they followed Cephas or Peter. There were others that said they followed Apollos, and there were some that were so spiritual they only followed Christ. Yet they were all at odds, one with another, and they had taken up sides, so to speak, and there were factions within the church that were causing it to be hurt. A division in the body can be very hurtful. In fact, it can even destroy that body of Christ. Sadly, many churches have fallen because of this division. And folks, I want us to be aware of this. This is so necessary our church, I, about a week and a half ago, I was talking to a man who's been coming to our church for about a month and a half. He said, Pastor, he said, I got to tell you what it is. He said, I don't know what it is about your church, but he said, when I walk in the door, he said, I feel like God is there. Can I tell you that's what we want? Amen? We do not want people, when they walk in, to say, Whoa, what's the problem? Yes. Now let's be honest, we've walked into places like that. Most of them, it's family reunions, all right? But we've walked into places like that and we've said, man, what is, what is wrong here? Something is not right. Now the last place in the world where there should be problems as far as we, us not being together and working with one another is the church, the body of Christ. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And, folks, I want to tell you this, all right? The bond that draws us closer together is supposed to be stronger than the bond that draws my physical and phys- physical brother and physical sister to me. I know that blood is thicker than water, but, cr- folks, the blood of Christ is greater than any blood that man ever shed. And our attachment, our unity, should be stronger than even family ties. Now, I hope you understand that. And I hope that you understand. That was a wonderful compliment. I said, well, I praise the Lord for that. And I said, that's not me. That's our people. And I praise God. We've got a, a good group of people in this church who go out of their way to be kind and to be gracious. And I praise the Lord for that. And I hope tonight that this will encourage you never to stop. We must have the presence of God in this place. Or, folks, I'm just whistling Dixie. Amen? I am wasting my time. I am just standing up and proclaiming a message that's falling on deaf ears. I don't ever want to do that. I want to have, by the grace of God, a group of people here, a church that hears God's word, loves God's word, and follows God's word, and it will not happen if divisions develop within the body of Christ. It won't. It will not happen. I want to give you several things tonight on how to become disgruntled. How to become disgruntled. Take your Bibles, the Psalms, in chapter 76. Now, number one tonight, I want to say this as far as application is concerned. Folks, I do want you to understand I'm talking about our church here. I, I want this church to be a place where God is. But I also think you can take what I'm saying tonight and apply it to your home, to your marriage, to your family. I think there's so many other ways that it can be applied. But most importantly, I want to apply it tonight to the body of Christ. This is a place that must have the presence of God. Amen? Without it, we've got problems. Psalm chapter 76 and verse 11. The Bible says this It says, Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. Let all that be round about him bring presence unto him that ought to be feared. I want to say this number one tonight how to become disgruntled. Do not commit. Do not commit. Don't do not commit to anything unless it's exactly what you want to do or you know you will enjoy it. Now I'm telling you how to become disgruntled. If you want to become disgruntled and if you want to cause a division, don't commit to anything. Amen. I mean, this is this is how to really get this is how to really get bent out of shape. Refuse to commit. A few years ago, we we needed another driver, a rider on 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 our bus that picks up people. We we we. It, feel it's very wise to have two adults on the bus at all times, to, to respond, well, I can't say two adults on the bus at all times. And, and so we were down a, 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 a bus helper, and so I made a phone call to Mr. Jim Faulkner. Now, if you know Mr. Jim Faulkner, Jim is not a kid's person. Amen? He's also not a morning person. But I needed somebody at the time, so I called Jim. I said, Jim, can I have you help me out? And after much begging and pleading on my, no, I'm teasing, Jim said, I'll help you out. And Jim's been doing it now, I don't know how long, probably too long, amen, but he's been doing it faithfully week in and week out for years. And, folks, I'm going to tell you something. He had to commit to something that, in all honesty, was not his cup of tea. That's not what he really wanted to do. That's not what he really enjoyed, but he committed, and, and he's made a difference in that area. And every Sunday, there are people that come to church, children and adults, because Brother Faulkner and Brother Vanetta made a commitment to pick up some people. Amen? And folks, today, uh, tonight, I want you to understand that if you want to do something for God, you're going to have to commit to him. Gonna to have to come in. This body of Christ, I'm telling you right now, and, and the, the illustration that he's used in 1 Corinthians 12 is, is so beautiful because it talks about body members of the body arguing with one another. Well, I'm telling you, folks, if the left foot wants to go left and the right foot wants to go right, you ain't going forward. Do, do you understand that? And that's what happens a lot in churches because we don't want to commit to the greater cause. Do you understand that the the, 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 the head of the body is not? the pastor the head of the body scripturally speaking is Christ and so Christ is to be the one that is always in control and always and do you know that Christ sets the course amen so what we need to do is say left foot get in line with what the heads telling you to do and right foot get in line with what Christ is telling you to do and let's go forward together you say but I don't want to go that direction folks that's not your call that's Christ's cause Sometimes Jesus Christ leads us to places we don't necessarily want to be. Amen? If you read the book of Acts, you'll find Peter imprisoned. And the reason he was imprisoned is because Herod killed one of the apostles by the name of James. James was martyred for the faith. Herod saw that the people liked it. So said, let's do another. Where's Peter? What a lousy reason to be imprisoned. Yes? I mean, somebody was killed, The people liked it, got, it, got their jollies from it and so said, let's do another one. I mean, I'm sorry, that's a terrible reason to be picked up and arrested. But Peter was. But folks, I want you to understand, Peter went through that trial and went through that persecution and came out on the other side because he said, all right, Jesus Christ, this is what he has in store for me, I'll do it. That's not always going to be pleasant. It's not always going to be easy, but folks, we've got to commit. We've got to commit to avoid becoming disgruntled. Second reason on how to be disgruntled, and this is very similar to the first, but don't get involved. In Romans chapter 12, and verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. My job is to get involved. Now, there's a difference between committing and getting involved. Amen? Now, folks, we need to get involved. There are things that are taking place. Are you a part of it? Do not sit, as Psalms 1 talks about, in the seat of the scornful and sit back. You say, well, well, I'm sitting here, aren't I? I understand you're sitting here and I praise God for it. But are you involved? You know friend tonight I need we I don't need it God wants it we need to get everybody involved in the work of God. You say well well I want to be this or I want to be that brother you you don't get to choose that. Amen. When you came into the body of Christ the Holy Spirit of God said this is what you are. You might be the big toe. Amen. All right? You 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 might you might be one of the comely parts that 1 Corinthians 12 talks about. You also might be one of the uncomely parts that's not my place to choose that the Holy Spirit puts us into a place of service but brother we got to get everybody involved in many churches and, and you've heard this before but 5% of the people do 95% of the work can I tell you that's not a real good formula for success amen I mean I'm sorry brother Mel you at 3m brother doll you at design homes brother brother Brom, you at Cabela's if of the work is performed by 5% of the people. I'm going to guess there's going to be some people that are looking for a job very soon. Yes, now I know. I'm sure all you guys say it's kind of how it feels sometimes. But folks, I'm telling you, we need to get to a place in the local church where 100% of the people are doing 100% of the work. Because that's how the work grows. We need you to get involved. You say, well, well, pastor, there's nothing for me to do. I'm going to tell you something. Brother Tim and I went out yesterday, and we knocked on some doors, and we talked to some people, and one of them, by the grace of God, came out to church today and heard the gospel preached. I'm sorry, but you don't have to be very intelligent. You don't have to be very highfalutin to get involved in that manner. You say, well, well, there's no positions open. There's no positions available that I want. Brother, just get involved. There are always things that need to be done. If you are not aware of that, you are not opening your eyes when you come into church. Speaking of that, I need some help in a prison ministry on Tuesday night. And you see me after the service if you're interested in that. If you're on probation, I can't have you help. If you're off probation, I can have you help. All right? But, folks, I'm telling you, we've got to learn to get involved. You say, "Well, well, Pastor, I'll get involved one of these days. Folks, one of these days, sadly, never comes. We just sit idly by, and we wait for that perfect opportunity. Can I tell you? The only time in my life when I knew I had a perfect opportunity is after I'd missed it. <laughs> Did you understand that? What is that thing we say? Hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, when I'm looking back, is, boy, I really should have done that. You know, I, 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 wish, I wish 10 years ago when I, had, uh, uh, w- when I invested money, my $27 that I spoke about a few weeks ago, I wish I would have invested that in eBay or in Apple. Yes? I, I, I get this little financial thing, and I read it. Apple in the last 10 years has, has grown by 467%. What that means is if you invested in Apple 10 years ago, you have lots more money today. That's what it means, all right? I, I don't know how to say it. Now, again, hindsight looks back at that and says, man, that was a golden opportunity. Folks, I'm telling you, if you're waiting for the perfect opportunity to come down the road, it's never going to come. You just need to get in and get involved. You say, well, well, Pastor, you know, I, 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 I'm looking, I'm looking for that. You're never gonna get it. If you want to be disgruntled, do not get involved. Do not get involved. Um <laughs> folks, do you know who criticizes the football team on Monday? The armchair quarterback. He didn't get involved. He can tell you everything they did wrong. But he wasn't involved. He was sitting with his feet up with his Coke or Pepsi, sitting in the little seat on the little table there by, him, and just criticizes and tells, oh, oh, boy, them stinking Packers or those Vikings, if they'd only do this. And, folks, I'm telling you, the reason you're doing that is because you're not involved. You don't criticize something you're a part of. Do you understand that? When you're involved in working with the youth, you don't criticize the youth because that's what you're working with. And when you criticize that, you're criticizing yourself. All right? When you, we develop a critical spirit, it's a sign that we're not involved and we're not a part. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are certain things that need to be worked on and fixed. That's always a process going on. But my friend, when you develop a critical spirit, it's because you're not involved. So if you want to become disgruntled, number one, do not commit. Number two, do not get involved. Number three... Do not be faithful. Do not be faithful. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2, the Bible says this it says, Moreover, in stewards, it is required that a man be found faithful. Somebody asked me a while back. They said, Pastor, if you could choose any kind of members, what kind would they be? Well, I'll tell you this they wouldn't be talented members. Because talented members isn't what God desires. They wouldn't even be rich members. You say, whoa, we need the money. It wouldn't even be rich members. The most, the best kind of members are people that are faithful. That's what God desires. See, if you want to be disgruntled, just don't be faithful. But if you want to do something for God, then be faithful, man. I mean, be there day in, day out, week in, week in, out, year in, year out. You be there when the role is called, my friend. You be there. What happens is some people say, well, Pastor, I'll commit. I'll get involved. And then two months later, it's like, where'd they go? You got to be faithful. You got to stick with it. And, brother, you got to stick with it when it's hard. Do you know no growth ever occurs except through hard times? In fact, I'll be very honest with you, that's when the most growth tends to occur. Growing up, I don't don't know about you. I had I had those those things they were called growing pains. You know why growing pains happened? Because I was growing. Well, folks, that's a part of the process. And I'm going to tell you something right now, you're going to have to be faithful day in and day out. You're going to have to be faithful that Sunday school class. you say, "I only got two kids i am teaching, then you be faithful to teach those two kids, because if you cannot be responsible and accountable for a small amount, why would God give you much? And I'm amazed of you, well if I, if I could preach, if I could preach to 100 people, then no, you wouldn't. You wouldn't be any more faithful with 100 than you are with 10. And I'm amazed at that. Folks, when we are faithful in that which is least, God says, I'll give you more. When that shepherd lost the one sheep in the wilderness, he had 100 sheep. He lost one. He said, I will find my lost sheep. And I'm going to tell you something right now. When that shepherd got back to the fold with the 99, brought back that one sheep that had been lost, I'm going to tell you something. Whoever was his boss said, that's a man I can trust more sheep to. And folks, I'm going to tell you something right now. Whatever position you're in, whether it be popular and and, and glamorous or whether it be nothing and, and you feel like you're nobody, let me tell you something. You be faithful in that. Because if you can be faithful in that which is least, God will rise you up. I've had people come to me in the last few months. They say, Pastor, I want to do this in the church. And I've told them that position isn't open right now. I'll keep you in mind if it's ever open. But let me help you out here. If you want to teach a class, you go out, you get a bunch of people, and you bring them to church, and I'll have to put somebody in charge of that class. And since you brought them, probably going to be you. Well, 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 but I want somebody else to go out and get them. Folks, that's not how it works. You go out and you get them. You compel them to come in and you reach them with the word. Folks, we're all commanded to be faithful. And tonight, I wish we'd understand that. We say, well, pastor, how come the church isn't growing as fast as I want it to? Or pastor, how come this isn't taking place? And what I love to say to you, and I don't, because I'm chicken, is I like to say, are you being faithful? Are you being faithful? Oh, I don't want to talk about me. None of us do, amen? But if you want to become disgruntled, don't be faithful. Fourthly tonight, fourthly, if you want to be disgruntled and you want to cause a division within the body of Christ, be easily offended. In Psalm chapter 119 and verse 65, and there's other verses, but this is one that was drilled into me as a child, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Be easily offended. And then let me offer you a bit more of advice. If you want want to cause a division, don't just be easily offended, but store it up and never let it go. You ever met somebody who's mad at somebody else over something they did 15 years ago? I was reading an article here just this week, and it was an article kind of talking about this, and it kind of tied in with what I was looking at. And this article was about a church, and it didn't say what denomination it was, but there was this church. And what happened is there became two huge divisions in the church, and they sued one another for the rights to the property. They took each other to, to, to United States court, all right? They went and made it. And the court, the judge said, I got no idea what to do, and he threw the case right out of court. He said, go to your denominational headquarters and figure this out. It isn't our problem. I'm not going to make a de- ruling on this. They went to their denominational headquarters and figured out, and they traced it back. And this was so funny to me. The, 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 the feud, the two dividing factions, was over this. Somebody got a bigger slice of ham at a church fellowship than somebody else. And you're suing somebody over that? Now, let's, you say, well, we weren't suing over a piece of ham. And I, I say this to terrify Stephanie. That's why I say it, because she, she and Roger cut the slices of ham at our fellowships. But what, what, what I'm trying to get at, and, and, and you know this to be true, that isn't the issue anymore. We've developed and we've added to it. We've become offended and our spirit is wounded. So you know what we do? The next per- time that person walks by us and doesn't see us and shake our hand, oh, we get angry at her at them. How dare they? Don't they know that I was trying to be the Christian one? They were as scared of you as I was, amen. Well, you don't, Pastor, I mean, you don't understand. They've really hurt me. Do you know that they stole my seat in the auditorium? That's one of my favorites. I love and this, this, Folks, I, you know me. I have a terrible sense of humor. I really do. The things that I think are funny shouldn't be funny, but they are to me. I love it on a Sunday morning when somebody comes in a little late and they walk down to that spot where they've sat for 75 years and they walk down there and they see that it's taken. And this, this confused look comes upon their face. How dare you? Don't you know who I am? I mean, I, 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 that's my seat. And, and it, it, folks, it's entertaining. And again, I'll sit up there and I think it's wonderful. I really do. Because it, it shows how so easily we can get offended. Now we've got a lot of good folks and most of you after that Initial look of confusion, you move on and you find a different seat. But I have seen, I mean, literally, where I watched several years ago while somebody made them get out of their seat and go find another so they could have their own seat. Now, how foolish. Now, folks, understand, do not become easily offended. Because once you're easily offended, I can promise you this, you will get offended. Any of you married? You come home from work, guys? And you say, hey, honey, how was your day? And you just know that was the wrong question. And for the rest of the night, you hide in the corner of the house. Just like Proverbs teaches us too, guys, amen? It's better to dwell in the corner of a rooftop than with an angry and a contentious woman, man. And guys, we do. All men, I don't know if all men, most men fear contention. We don't want to deal with an ordinary wife. So we go to, can I tell you, folks? Same thing happens in a church family. Man, here you got you you got you got you got great sister Martha over there and boy she 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 runs every department in the church and she does this and she does that and you ticked her off she's coming for you loaded for bear do not get easily offended do not store it up folks do you know what you're supposed to do if you have somebody against if you have something against somebody do you know biblically what you're supposed to do? Go talk to them. Go talk to them. And if you are too embarrassed to go talk to them, that means you should just let it go. Because if you won't go talk to them, you say, well, well, that's silly. I don't want to talk to them about that. Then let it go. Well, no, I'm going to store it up, and I'm just going to wait for something bigger. That's foolish. And that will cause a division in the body of Christ. Number five, this goes along with being easily offended. But if you want to be disgruntled, pick at what bothers you. Pick at what bothers you. Ephesians 4.32, the Bible says, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let me explain something. We are to be forgiving of one another. And we are to be forgiving of one another just like God was forgiving of me. This morning I talked about justification and so on and so forth, and I don't want to revisit that. But folks, let me say something to you. When my sin is brought up to a holy God, do you know what my God says? Forgiven. Forgiven. You say, but God, you don't know how bad this sin was. Forgiven. If I'm a child of God, God says it's forgiven. The reason he does that is for Christ's sake. Christ entered into my place. He took my sin upon his body. He triumphed over sin, and that sin is now gone, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west. And the Bible says, not only does God forgive me like that, but he says, now you go and do likewise. You forgive others like that. Man, let's just face it. There are some people in this room that rub, rub you the wrong way, are there not? If if there's not, you haven't been here long enough. All right, give it time. They're just they're people that just personalities don't mesh. I mean, we look at them and say, "Well, I, I love you. You're my brother." But let's face it, we just probably aren't going to work together well. Just can't help it. That's the way. It is. But I can still love them as a brother, and I can still treat them as a brother in Christ. Instead of picking at that scab, do you know what happens when you pick at that scab? Do you know what you draw? Blood, and we just pick at that, and we pick at that, and we pick it. And you've seen them people, man. You sat by one in church here a few weeks ago, and you watched as they just picked at that scab throughout the mess, and you thought, "What are you doing, man? That's disgusting." Yeah, you've watched that. Probably done it a few times. But folks, I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you want to be disgruntled, pick at what bothers you. Here, here's the thought. Don't make it obvious you don't support all the preaching and teaching of the church. Make it obvious. Now, folks, let's be honest with you. Is there anybody in this room that agrees with me on 100% of things? I have a wonderful, beautiful wife that loves me very much, and I love her very much. Do you know that we do not agree on 100% of things? Oh, they have marriage problems. We don't have marriage problems. We just don't pick at what bothers us. We're not going to agree on 100% of stuff. I knew that the day I married her. She knew that about me, by the way. Can I I tell you, there's nobody in this room that is going to agree on 100% of everything. We're not. We are not. What I can do, though, is say, you know what, that's not really the important issue. The issue is that Christ and his cause go forward, and I'm not going to worry about that that person isn't as friendly to me as I think they should be, or that person doesn't treat my kids as good as I think they should. My, my, My main cause is Christ, and I'm not going to pick at what's bothering me. Christian tonight, could I just challenge you with that? I mean, we'll get up and we'll say, well, well, now, now pastor, let me tell you what I disagree with. Folks, I can tell you about me what I disagree with. I mean that. And yet so many times we'll just pick and we'll pick and we'll pick and we'll pick and we'll pick. And folks, I'm telling you right now, put your picker away. All right? Stop doing that to one another because it's going to cause a problem in the body of Christ. You, you keep... Mike Hager, boy. Mike Hager and I, Mike, Mike loves, here, let me tell you something Mike Hager did to me. A few years ago, he called me, he said, hey, how's my pastor? The guy that only works a day a week. <laughs> Click. Oh, Mike's, but, you know, I, I could have gotten offended about that, and then I could have started to pick at it. Every time Mike gives me a hard time when he walks in, I, oh, oh, oh big jerk. Hate his guts. Can't believe it. No, man, Mike's my brother in Christ. He is. I'm supposed to love him. I'm supposed to forgive him, even when he does say terrible, disgusting things like that. He said it tongue-in-cheek, and I know he didn't. I'm, I'm using it as an example tonight, because I can. But what I want you to know is don't picket things. Well, I, you know, that Sunday school teacher, I, I, I don't agree with him, or I don't agree with her on Everything. You know, uh, m- my, kid, my kid didn't get as big a cup of cereal as the other kid did. Brother, they got a cup of cereal. Let it go. Don't pick at what bothers you. Now, folks, I'm not telling you if it's scriptural to let it go. If there's something unscriptural going on, we need to deal with it. And I'm 10,000 times for that. But, what, but I'm going to be honest with you. God does not care if the church has beige carpeting or red carpeting. Do you really think we're going to get to heaven? And God's going to say, well, no, no. I remember when the church vote on the carpeting came up, and I'm going to be very honest. Let me share my opinion with you. Do you think God really cares? God cares about everything. (laughs) What God cares about is our attitude and our spirits. He doesn't care about the carpet. Folks, don't pick at what bothers you. Stop that. Be so careful of it. Let, let, Let me throw this here. Here's a way we pick at what bothers us we have little prayer meetings. And at that prayer meeting, we say something like, pray for a pastor. His wife is suffering from Great Depression. Or we say, oh, pray pray for a brother so-and-so. He's, str- he's the treasurer, and he's struggling with how the youth pastor is spending money. Aren't those wonderful ways to pick at one another? And we, we, know, we Christians, don't we know how to do it and be super spiritual? I am more holy than that person, so I know that I can... Be so careful. Folks tonight, don't pick at what bothers you. Lastly tonight, how to be disgruntled. Refuse hospitality. Refuse hospitality. I was talking to a man just this week. and This came up in the course of conversation. In 1 Timothy in chapter 3 and verse 2, and then in Titus chapter 1 and verse 8, one of the requirements for being a pastor is hospitality, given to hospitality. A pastor and his wife should be friendly and outgoing people. That's a requirement, by the way. Can I tell you, though, Christian, in Romans in chapter 12 and verse 13 and in 1 Peter in chapter 4 and verse 9, it is also commanded to each and every one of us. We are to be people that are hospitable by nature. Now, I know everybody's not outgoing. I know that some of you in this room are very private, and there's nothing wrong with that. What I am saying is that even in our private, personal nature, we should be hospitable. Do you know that you don't have to say a word, but you can wear a smile? You say, well, pastor, I'm shy. Then just smile when people look at you. Do you know how big a difference that makes? I mean, have you ever tried to walk up to someone during handshaking time and they're sitting there with their arms crossed and they got a frown on their face? Can I tell you that's a little hard to get past? You say, well, well, Pastor, people should be hospitable to me. No, brother and sister, you should be hospitable. Don't you see how friendly people are? You be friendly and let God take care of the rest. If you want to become disgruntled, then you refuse hospitality to other people. And by the way, in 1 Peter in chapter 4, 4 and verse 9, it says to use hospitality without grudging. That means that you don't say, well, I'll be nice to you because I have to. Have you ever received that type of hospitality? I'll shake your hand today because the pastor, he'll say something if I don't. Yeah, No, use hospitality. Use hospitality. My friend, can I tell you this right now? You catching someone in the parking lot before church and shaking their hand on the way in means a lot to that person. Do you know that some people, the scariest moment for them when visiting a church is opening the front door, turning that knob? They are terrified of what's on the other side. Let's face it, folks. We've all been places and dealt with things where the Spirit was not great. We, as Christian people, ought to be hospitable people. You say, Pastor, I, you know, they're, they're, I'm, just, I'm just not outgoing. Brother, be hospitable. In your not outgoingness, just be hospitable. You say, I'm not jubilant. I'm not one of those people that can walk up to somebody and talk to them like, I, like I've known them forever. That's okay. What you can do is just be hospitable. There ought to be something about you and I's nature that just said, you know what? The world may hate your guts, but I'll love you. I'll treat you like a human being. Folks, Brother Dal and I were talking about this the other day. There are some people that come to church for months, and they could care less what we teach. They're just looking for somebody to pay attention to them you say well they should care they should I agree and by God's grace they'll catch something along the way and They'll catch the fact that we're proclaiming truth and proclaiming salvation and righteousness and justice and godliness But my friend what most people I can't say most but what many people are looking for is somebody to care I remember sitting in Bible college and there was a man who had pastored and he gave a piece of advice and I think the piece of advice was very wise he said to us as his students, and there were probably 50 or 60 of us in the class, he said, Before people care how much you know, they want to know how much you care. And I wonder today, those visitors that came in, and we had some today, were you hospitable to them? I just hope somebody was. I, me too. But can I ask you, my friend, were you? Were you? Were you hospitable to that person that kind of tr- tr- truly deep down just gets your goat a little bit? Were you hospitable to them? Were you hospitable to that person whose kids misbehaved during the service? Were you hospitable to that guy who, who, who's always he's the weird one? You know, every church has got him, amen? I mean, there's just some people that, are, that, 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 that aren't normal. And I love, you know, we define normal by us, don't we? You know, I'm the normal one, everybody else is weird. I know how that works, all right? And I'm sure the guy, I, I'm, looking, I'm looking at brother, brother Jamie Holfeld back there, and I say, well, he's weird because he's not like me. And Jamie's doing the same thing. He's saying, well, he's weird because he's not like me. We define normal by us, and I understand that. But, folks, I'm wondering, are we hospitable? Does our church, do we, give off an aura that says, hey, we care about you? Now, Again, people can tell if it's fake. I'm not saying fake it. I'm saying do it. And my friend, tonight, I've given you six things on how to be disgruntled. Do we want our church to develop divisions from within, possibly be destroyed, or do we want our church to band together and to unify and to go forward for the cause of Christ? You say, Well, well, Pastor, you know, I want to see God do some things. And my friend, tonight, you determine in your heart to commit. You determined to get involved. You determined to be faithful. You determined not to be easily offended. You determined not to pick at those little things that bother you. And determine to be hospitable to those around you. Folks, it's just some practical advice for this body of Christ. I want to see God do great things. Greater things. God's already done some wonderful things, has He not? But let's go forward for Christ. Satan tonight desires to infiltrate this body of believers. He desires to destroy us. Will we let him? Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. With heads bowed, In a moment, the instruments are going to begin to play. And folks, I've I've tried to be somewhat, I guess, lighthearted about some of these topics. And and I'm going to tell you this. this This is not a message that I had to preach. This is one that just the Lord kind of laid on my heart. I think it's preventive maintenance. I want to keep us from developing divisions within the body of Christ. I don't. I'm not dealing with any problems. These things I talked about tonight, nobody, nobody's, what I'm trying to say though, folks, in our heart of hearts, are we doing what we need to be doing to please God and to keep this body moving forward? And when the instruments begin to play, if the Lord's laid something on your heart, you come to the altar.